When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Afzak, and this is Daily Thrones. And yesterday we had a great call from Thomas wondering about what the Night King is going to do with Essos. Is that going to be dealt with in the show? And I think it might be dealt with in the books, but maybe not so much the show. But we'll see. We only got six episodes to get through. And we got some thoughts on that as Daily Thrones begins its broadcast day. Hey, Ken. Kevin Ross. Um, Thomas is not wrong about Essos, but what I think is happening here is uh, the Night King will block off passage uh, to Essos from that small connection. I noticed that before, and he's not he, he's not entirely wrong about his uh, thinking about the geography. But what I think the Night King does, he freezes portions of it so the population can't escape. Uh, he doesn't have time with only six episodes. You give me ten episodes... I'm I'm kind of square with him, but you also have to look at that. Um, then the Night King is fighting two battles on two fronts. He hasn't solidified Westeros, and he's starting a new engagement in Essos. So you're going to want to eliminate the West before you move east, aka this is why we have Plan B. Thanks. I can get behind Kevin's idea that the Night King might have to deal with Essos in a shorter way on the show by just simply blocking the path there. Maybe they deal with it there. We know we're going to get something with the Golden Company coming back. It looks for at least two of the episodes. Uh, you know, at least uh, the main leader is going to be Harry Strickland will be featured. So I think it could be something. I don't know. Maybe on the way back, uh, Euron Greyjoy picks up the Golden Company and he, they notice that the water's getting a lot cold. Maybe there's something about uh, the Night King coming down. Again, I, I just don't think, I think it's a great idea, but I just don't think the show is going to have a lot of time to deal with Essos, which, uh, to be honest, is kind of disappointing. I really want to know. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the fact of what does a, a sort of new version of The Long Night do to Essos. Are people just going to be sitting over there in Pentos and Bravos and uh, the, the Slaver's Bay going, do you hear what's going on over in Westeros? Uh, some uh, zombie armies just taking out the world. Whatever. Pass me the grapes. Uh, I, I can't imagine that being the case. And uh, they are part of this world, and so they would need to do something. Would the free cities uh, come together? And, and hey, why is the Golden Company leaving? Why is Euron leaving? There's something going on over there. We're hearing reports of the the war for, to, to settle the score here, the war for it all, the war for the dawn. Would they join in? Maybe, maybe some would. Obviously, we know if they're paid right, they would. Or, look, I almost can't fault anyone, no matter how power, powerful they are, going, all right, we hear, we hear uh, some problems in Westeros. We're just going to sit back. We've never really invo been involved with their politics anyways. They kind of look down on us. We're going to be over here and just kind of mind our own business. But what do you guys think? More theories on Essos. Uh, I, I'd love to know how Essos factors into Season 8, if, if it does at all. And do you want it to factor in to Season 8? Talking about Essos again here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, this is Jeremy. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking, wouldn't it be kind of funny if the whole purpose of the Golden Company was to die at the hands of the Night King and his forces? Um, the the thought of them headed towards Essos, maybe not towards Essos, but maybe 
being there when the Golden Company comes to Westeros. I don't know. Uh, with only six episodes, just that seems like a lot of thing, a lot of story. But if that was, you know, that'd be one way to fit story in. Just the Golden Company dying at the hands of the Night King. I think you do need to deal with Essos, but I think you're gonna, we're going to get a Maggie the Frog situation with Melisandre. You can give me five minutes of a flashback with Melisandre explaining what the Night King represents to Essos that the world has been through a long night through different versions much like it's been described in the books. And that gives an excuse for Melisandre to come back with all the Red Priests and uh, Pyromancers, you know, of course, for me to have them build wildfire, but to sort of explain that this is a world crisis. Uh, you're not alone. This is why we're all here. This is why the Red God has brought us here. Uh, but I think we're going to get that explanation in a flashback it, with a five-minute explanation, a.k.a. Maggie the Frog. Thanks. All right, Jeremy from Geek with the Side of Nerd. Great name, calling in. And you know what, Jeremy? I actually like your little fun idea here about what if the Golden Company, all 20,000 strong, all their elephants and horses and weaponry, they come on over, they hit the shores, and they're promptly just destroyed by the Night King. It'd be, uh, it'd be kind of fun. And what would Cersei do? What would Cersei do if her army is gone, the things she needs, the things she wants to save her, the trump card she feels she has... And it's gone. It would be quite an obstacle for Cersei to overcome. So actually, I like that idea. We need cannon fodder, right? Not every big character is going to die. I hope some big character does die. But, you know, that's not going to be the case. Uh, we, we got some cannon fodder coming over, baby. I don't think the Golden Company is just going to sit back uh, eating all the food in, the, in King's Landing, waiting for this to go. Uh, there's a purpose there. Uh, as we said before, maybe it looks like maybe two episodes uh, to feature them or focus on them at least. So... Pick them up, war's coming, hit the shores, die. Be some Game of Thrones humor I can get behind. Kevin Collin back talking about Essos and how it relates to Melisandre, some history there. I would love if Melisandre gave us a history. We know that there's stories about, uh, you know, similar things to the Long Night happening over in Essos. It would make sense. So it shows us that there's precedence for Essos to be involved in this. It is one world, one problem right now, and I, I would be very interested to hear from Melisandre or any. Kinvara, bring her back. Um, fortunately, Thoros, rest in peace. Not going to fill us in, but I would love some more details about it. That'd be a great thought. We know, we know Melisandre's coming back into the story. I believe her words that she's going to die in Westeros, and I believe that she's uh, going to see Arya again. I also kind of believe she's right uh, about Varys, I, I trust everything about her. Even though she's had some mistakes, she's got some things wrong, I still believe Melisandre is connected to something a little bit bigger. So she'll be back, maybe something to do with Essos, maybe some history, and I definitely think she's going to meet Arya. She's going to die. More theories on Essos, more theories on how Melisandre's going to go. Let me know here on Daily Thrones. The conversation rolls on. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. So let's talk about the Golden Company for a second. It represents three things to me. One, Cersei never trusted her um, southern lords and kings in the first place that their armies would stay loyal to her. Before the Whites showed up, she had placed that order with the Iron Bank. Two, uh, Jamie has the loyalty of 
the uh, Southern Lords. That's what you saw just before he took off to go north. So he'll probably take that support with him. But three, and probably the most importantly, Joffrey asked the question of Cersei a long time ago. I believe it's way back in either late in season one or early season two as to why we just can't attack the north and why the south doesn't have its own centralized army. You know, for all of Joffrey's problems, the kid had two things right. You know, a broken clock's right twice a day. Why not kill Daenerys before the dragons come out? And why don't we have a centralized army? Uh, I think Cersei's correcting the second mistake. Thanks. All right, Kevin on the air again. You know, Kevin, I'm giving you a lot of airtime these last couple days because your theories are damn good. But I, I think you owe me. Wink, wink. Kevin, you're great. Uh, you are, are well studied in the ways of Cersei. You know Cersei. Uh, you know her mind, you know her mistakes, and I, I, I think you're right. I think she is thinking back to not just what Joffrey said. You're right. Joffrey, talking to Tywin, talking to Cersei, had good questions about if Daenerys is a problem, let's kill her. And why is there not one army that I can command? Why do I have to answer? I'm the king, or I will be king at the time of these, he's having this conversation. Why do I have to answer to these other lords in a way? I'm the king. I'm the ruler. But the Seven Kingdoms kind of control me. Now there's concepts about leadership and what that means. Uh, good leadership does kind of mean that you, you work for your people, right? That's what a good king is. I think that's what Renly would have been. But I, I think Joffrey is echoing what Robert Baratheon, who he believed to be his father, was, was saying as well back in, in season one, obviously, when he was alive. Uh, about, you know, one king, you know, hold up that fist. Uh, you, united behind one king. Uh, uh, we, we don't want to deal with the Dothraki. Uh, we don't want her, to, being Daenerys, to come on over with, with, with this Dothraki horde. Robert was right. Look at the loot train battle. Field to fire, too. Robert was right. And then look at some of the problems. Joffrey, in a weird way, was right. Now, again, Joffrey not the greatest. A little, little out there. You're right, Kevin. Broken clock strikes right, uh, what, twice a day, as the saying says, as you said. So I'm not rooting for Joffrey. I'm not saying he was a great king or should have been given that chance. I'm just saying uh, strategically uh, there's something there. And Cersei probably has formed, uh, formed that uh, thought in her mind, too. You know, Robert, for all his problems, was right. Joffrey, for all his problems, was right. The Golden Company is an army that I can buy. That will answer to me. And at 20,000 strong, they're bigger than most of the other armies out there. A lot of the southern lords are removed. They don't, I, I, I don't have to listen to the Tyrells anymore. Uh, Dorne's out of the picture. Greyjoy's, uh, the, the, the most powerful one is in my side, in my corner. So I've got my one unified army. I think it's a great point. I think Cersei could be thinking, uh, not just of, all right, who do I pay to help me win this thing? But, you know, how do I restructure what I do here? Remove the enemies. Uh, was Joffrey right to think let's attack the North? No, I think Cersei at the time was giving some jo giving Joffrey some great lessons in diplomacy, great lessons in how hard it is to actually rule. That the North won't bow to you, even when they do. They kind of think they're their own people, anyways. They think they're their own world. You're going to run into that problem, Joffrey. You got to rule a little bit differently. But now Cersei's probably looking back, going, "Oh man." Should have defeated these people a long time ago. One army, a lot easier to manage, and a lot easier to get my way. So, good points, definitely. Something going on with the Golden Company. Seriously, it might be correcting a mistake. Hey, Ken, so talking about Melisandre, I'm not exactly sure how she's going to die. However, 
It wouldn't shock me if she burned to death, if that's how she died. In a way, for me, it would it would kind of be poetic, given, you know, the things she's done, all the people she's burned. I mean, in, in a perfect world, I admit, I would want to see Davos be the one that actually kills her, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, she could die, you know, in this great war that's coming. Well, that's actually here. It's not even coming. But we'll see. But I think it could definitely be a fire death. Closing out today with an interesting thought about Melisandre's death from Eric Monroe, our regular caller here. Eric, I like this idea of Melisandre being burned to death. Not that I want to see that, but it could be a just... A just uh, reward for the, those who went before her, the, the, those she sent to her death by fire. She, not, I mean, not just Manson, Shireen, you know, uh, more of Stannis' uh, you know, brother-in-law and family and a lot more we didn't even see uh, that, that she, she put to uh, the stake. Um, I like Melisandre. I'm a Melisandre fan. I think there's something intriguing about her. I definitely think some of the stuff she says is true. How she factors into the story is a question I posed earlier and what we'll probably be talking about here for the next couple days and well beyond as we go into season eight, of course. But you have two notions. The first, Melisandre burning to death, being maybe burned at the stake. There's a little bit of justice in that. And the idea of Davos being behind her death. I keep thinking Arya because she said, told Arya, we're going to meet again. And, and she didn't necessarily say Arya's going to kill her. But Arya kind of has that, kind of has that look. And if Arya finds out that, oh, you burned, you, 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 you burned a girl at the stake. You made, you, you tricked her father and your father agreed and you re- agreed to burn it. You killed Shireen Baratheon. Davos told me you're dead. Um, I could see that. But there could be uh, something poetic about Davos having to do with Melisandre's death. No, I do see this, though. Davos is the kind of guy that keeping Melisandre alive because it's the right thing to do or what's needed for strategy, Davos would probably begrudgingly uh, do that as well. But we'll see. If she comes back and Jon Snow gets word about it, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the newly crowned Aegon Targaryen, the 7th, 8th, or ninth, whatever number he might be. Uh, we'll see what he feels about Melisandre when she comes back. Uh, what kind of death do you guys think Melisandre will have, or are you satisfied with death by fire? Let us know here on Daily Thrones. That's it for the day. You guys can comment, call, anything you want. If you're listening on Daily Podcast form, get on the Anchor app and, and respond to some of the uh, thoughts and speculations and theories we got going here on Daily Thrones. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.